star seeds. I am back. How are you? What a time. What a time. What a time to be alive. So, happy new year. <laughs> it's officially March. And um, if you don't follow the Gregorian calendar, a lot of us witches um, really do celebrate the beginning of the new year um, in spring. And um, spring is coming up. Can you believe winter is almost over? You know, it's funny because winter, I was just writing this in my journal, winter is always that period of deep transformation for me, of deep healing for me, of deep res um, retrospection for me, you know? And um, even when I try not to make it that, you know, it always is. It's just the perfect time period for deep introspection. And this winter didn't, didn't fail, didn't fail me at all. It was just that it still is that. Um, but yeah, so if you are celebrating um, this new year on the summer, um, on the summer equinox, is it the summer equinox? Yeah, on the summer equinox, or the spring equinox, I should say. Um, happy new year. Yeah. Man, I wanted to come on because there's so much going on and we got to talk, fam. We got to talk because there's just so much going on. And how I started my soul work, right, was um, I started my soul work by archiving what was going on in my life, what was going on at the time where Instagram wasn't, I don't even think Instagram was around when I, when I first started my awakening. Um, people weren't really talking about it. You didn't see what you see now on Facebook, you know, now you go on Facebook, it's everywhere, right? There's, there's Ascension groups, there's spiritual groups, there's twin flame groups, there's, there's everything now on Facebook, right? You're not so much, you're not so much alone anymore. But this wasn't the story like 10, 12, 15, even 20 years ago, you know? And, um, when I first started my journey, I was experiencing and tapping into, energies and ha and tapping into high frequency energy. So I would always be getting panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And, and I remember, I, I remember telling the story. I tell the story a lot because this is, because this was the beginning of my journey as a healer doing this work that I do, doing my soul work. This was the beginning of it. Um, I remember it was about three, four o'clock in the morning. I was done doing all the testing. I was at the hospital again, um, been at the hospital that week already. And I, you know, I was convinced, I was convinced, um, that they were going to like admit me. I, I, no one couldn't tell me any different. I was convinced because I was telling them symptoms and they're looking at the machines they're looking at the test and they're like, we do not know what you are feeling because the test does not show this. And I just heard a voice just say, get out. Like literally get out. And I, I just got, I remember I got the test results and I just, you know, they wanted to talk to me afterwards, um, about finding some type of alternative plan, maybe get me on some drugs or something, you know? And I got up and I left and I remember it was four o'clock in the morning and, um, the buses weren't running. There was one bus that was running, um, 24 hours, but the one that connected, connected the one that I needed to connect to get to my home wasn't wasn't running so I walked it was like a good 20 25 minute walk and it was on that walk the whole way home that I started crying and I was just like this I don't know what's happening I don't know what's going on I need help here um God if this is my death then let it be quick let it be swift I'm no longer afraid and this was big coming from me because I was t petrified of death um, at one point in my journey, like petrified, right? Like even the thought of death or the talk of death would just put my body and my nervous system in overload. I was just terrified of it. So when I got home, I remember talking to my friend at the time and just saying, you know, I'm just so completely done. I'm so completely drained. I'm tired, you know, um, hadn't slept that night too. So it could have been some delirious. I could have been a little bit delirious. Um, <laughs> you know, but every, every, but I don't want to blame it on that or put it on that. I, I think that was the night. I don't think that was the night that everything changed for me because the next day or the day after that, 
or the next few days after that, um, I got on Facebook, I got introduced to a couple of people that were speaking about the same symptoms going on. Everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? And that's how we became friends and started the Ascension group, right? It was just like a couple of us. And now it, there's over 62,000 people in that group. So the reason I mentioned that beginning is because what's going on right now feels like that beginning, like that period. And it's been a, a couple of just very intense couple of weeks for me where um, I feel the wind of change coming into my life again, exactly how I felt at that time where I was walking down that dark road early in the morning, the whole world's asleep, and I'm just crying and talking to God. Um, I feel like I'm in that period again. I feel like I'm in that time again. This time I'm not so much crying um and like not knowing what's going on. Now I know now I know what's going on. So I'm handling it very differently, but the emotions are still there. It's very strong. And you know, I just felt guided to pick up um to just do this podcast because, you know, it's it's a very deep deep transformational period we're all going through right now. I, I know it's not just me. Um, I'm seeing it. I'm reading it. I'm sensing it. Um, this is huge. It's big. And I sensed it since last year. I knew from certain experiences that I was going through with letting go of people in my life, of, you know, um, of seeing myself clearly in many ways because we're, we're never... This is a process, right? You're not just going to jump and be ascended, all those layers has to be dismantled for you to get there. And while you're dismantling those layers, it's rough. It's rough. It's exhilarating. It's scary. It's fearful. It's mind-blowing. It's transcendent. It's, it's a journey, right? And I was just, I've been doing a lot of writing. At one point, I stopped journaling, which is not like me, if you know me. If you know me, I journal everything. Like, ever since I was a little kid, I used to think it was because I was an only child, right? Because as an only child, the only friend I had was myself. Um, I was, um, you know, I was. it was a very harsh childhood. So the word, the written word became my friend. I loved to read and write. And that was my friend. And that was one thing that um, I kept with me because it, it's such a beautiful way to communicate when you can't necessarily communicate to the world, you know? So whenever I'm downloading, whenever I'm making, I'm about to make a video, whenever I'm about to write something, I, I write in my journal first. So there was a period where I stopped um, because everything was just coming down. You know, there's periods that you really want to read and learn and, and get all the juice. And then there's periods where you just are not doing anything. You're just not motivated or guided to do anything. You just need to be in the moment of it all, right? So that was me. I was just in the moment of it all. But I started picking up my pen and my journal again, and it just feels so good to write. Um, and I've been writing a lot, and I wanted to share with you some of the things that I've, that I've been writing. Um, because it's been some powerful stuff, even for me, That what that's what's coming out right now is just like, whoa. Um, to see it pen to paper is a different type of energy, you know? Um, and I've been writing that... The reason why this period and this phase is so hard, uh, let me take that back. The reason why this phase is so intense for me, because when I started my awakening, I uh, was about 16 going on 17. I had just run away from home. Um, my stepmother, I I call her the devil in my life, but the devil that I needed, you know? Because um, she was horrible in many ways, but without her, I wouldn't be the woman talking to you today. And I say that sincerely after over 20 years of doing healing work with my parents, right? So I say that with, with a genuine heart, um, that I wouldn't be the woman that I am today without her being who she was. And... Um, I had had enough. I was 16. I just, you know, I went, I started high school. I was, um, 
it was a new life, man. High school was a new life because it was just like if you you were in an ele- if you were in an elementary school, you knew it was a different type of buzz, right? But when you got to high school and you started getting introduced to sex and you started getting introduced to, you know, smoking weed and doing, you know, drugs and experimenting, it's it's a time to experiment, right? We've all done it. Um, even if it was some, with some liquor, we, we, you know, it was a beautiful time just to experiment. So, of course, you know, um, it being high school, I got my first boyfriend. I'll never forget his name, but I won't say it here because, you know, who knows who's listening? I'm joking. Um, and I got my first boyfriend and he was like this thug, right? That lived like in OP. There was, it's a part of, um, it's a part of Toronto in the East End called OP, and OP, see, I started tapping my tongue, right? Let's get into the juice, right? <laughs> let's get into the juice. So when I got, um, let's call him, let's call him Flame. Since I'm looking at my candle right now, burning beautifully. Um, when I got, so Flame was a, Flame was a part of... Um, he was a thug. He was that bad, rough, you know, he was just, he was just part of that crew, part of that life that I wasn't a part of, you know, I grew up very sheltered. Um, and when I look back at it, we were, I was living, we were living in like in a semi mansion. Like my, my bedroom had bay windows and I had couch and a bed. Like I grew up quite privileged right now that I look back on him. And he was like the total opposite, right? He was like in the hood. He was, you know, he sold drugs. He was a drug man. And, you know, and it was, I think he came to my school. No, no. Let me tell the story. So I was friends with this girl. Let's call her Nikki. I was friends with Nikki. And Nikki was seeing someone in OP. And she was like, Toya, after school, do you want to come with me to go and like, you know, just see my dude? And I said, sure, why not? You know, and I was I was starting to get rebellious at this time. Right. Because my stepmother, what she would do is she would time exactly how long it would take for me to to get um, to to get on the bus from school and home. And these were the times like I would play around with it a little bit and I'll be like 20 minutes late or 30 minutes late. So I was just like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to have fun. I don't care. My friends are all like going out and doing things. I want to be like my friends. So we went to OP and um, and Flame, I saw Flame walk past and we kind of met each other's eyes. And that was, you know, we locked eyes and it was just like, who is this guy? Who's that girl? And we got introduced and... Um, yeah, one thing led to another. He started picking me up at school, you know, because if you were from that, like, if you were from that vibe of the 90s, you know about the picking up from school. Like, you know, he would come and pick me up after school and, you know, and get me a beef patty and some cocoa bread and and um, a pineapple juice and a pineapple drink and, you know, head over, bun a spliff. And that was that was the nineties. That was the nineties in high school. So I got really caught up with Flame, and um, you know, lost my virginity to him. And we had he was one that introduced me everything sexual wise, right? Like he's the one that introduced positions to me. He was the one that taught me how to do oral sex. He was the one. So obviously, and I say all that to keep it one hundred, but he was the one. Obviously, you knew how probably like how stuck I was to him. Um, he was the experience that I needed to change my life. And he did in a lot of ways. Um, not at that time, what I saw as great, but now as a grown woman, I, I just know that everything that happened with him had to happen, you know? Um, so around that time, um, I was in love and no one can tell me shit. I was in love. Um, you know, I got introduced to sex and I was like, this is amazing. Um, I got introduced to love or what I knew of love at 16. Um, and my mind was gone. My mind was officially gone. I was, I was, I became rebellious too. I was just like, fuck everything, um, except for school. I need to be with this man. So I ran away to be with him. 
And I stayed at my, I say that I was staying at one of my other friends who lived like down the block. If you know um, Scarborough, a lot of neighborhoods were like cul-de-sacs, right? So I just went into the other cul-de-sac and I was with my friend. My dad found out what was going on, came to her house and basically dragged me out of the house, kicking and screaming, the whole neighborhood watching. Embarrassing, I know. Um, and then like threw me into my room, locked the door. And he's like, if you come out of here, you know, just like a father, any parent, any parent whose child tries to run away, you're going to try to get them back, especially they're not 18. They're 16. They're young. You're going to try to get them back. He was being a father. Now I, I, you know, I completely get what he was doing at the time. He was like, oh my goodness, how could you, you know? embarrass me and do this, you know, in front of my friends and their family. How could you? You're, you know, you're the, you're the worst person ever, you know? Um, and I jumped out my bedroom window. We lived in a three-story house and I jumped out the third, I jumped out from the third floor and I packed my bags and I never returned home since. And that was the beginning of a really deep, journey I really did that that was when my awakening started right because I was living with my boyfriend at the time um mind you I'm 16 I'm going on 17 now maybe I said 17 at this point now and um living with um my boyfriend his mom who was um a, a, a gambler so she was never home he was selling drugs so there was always like button and and faces in the house that I never knew but they always had this respect for me I never I think because I was so openly honest and I was so openly like I was raised, especially my mannerisms and my characteristic as as like a man, right? My dad was very, my dad was the one that kind of taught me and that I witnessed some really brute things about the world. And so a lot of my mannerisms, even to this day, is very much straight to the point. I'll tell you like it is. Don't don't fuck around. Like, you know what I mean? I, I still have that. And I love that part of my personality. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that personality stemmed from a survival personality, right? It was just like, listen, these are the streets. Um, as much as I was raised very sheltered as a Jamaican woman... Um, being in, in, in a Jamaican and black community, I knew, I knew the runnings. I wasn't dumb to what was going on. I wasn't dumb to drugs. I wasn't done, dumb to like violence. And oh no, I was always a part of that being a black woman. I would see it all the time with my dad's friends being locked up, being, you know, shootings and come on, we, we, we held parties or my parents did and our house got shut up. Right. It was, it was was by the mercy of God that we didn't get killed. Like I, so that was, I wasn't, I wasn't shy to that life was what I'm trying to say. It's like, it's not like I came to that life and I was like, Ooh, what is weed? What is guns? No, 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 no. Um, knew it, lived it. Um, and I think that's why I got so attracted to flame because it was just like, he was this bad boy and you know, this bad boy who loved me. And at the point in my life, I thought that no one loved me and I was unlovable cause I didn't even love myself. I thought I was too fat. I thought I was too ugly. I thought I was, you know, only thing I had really going for myself was that I was really, really, really smart. And, um, you know, and yeah, so that life was beautiful and he was, he was toxic as fuck. He was a cheater. He was emotionally abusive and he was in jail for most of our relationship. Um, and it was from him being in jail and from just the wisdom that I had at that age just astounds me. It really does. It, it, it even shocks me sometimes of how, how wise I was because I stayed in school the only, and when I think back on it, the only reason why I think I really stayed in school was because I needed some normalcy. I needed some routine in my life. And school was routine. I had to get up every morning. I had to brush my teeth. I had to take a shower. I had to do this. I had to go to class. I had to be in class for 930. Like that was my routine. And I, you know, um, yeah, that's what I did. I, I went to school, dated Mark, um, even when he was in jail, stayed, stayed at his house, um, lived that life. Now, at the end of that relationship, after losing two children with Mark, um, both, both 
consciously choosing to to give up those two children. I just knew that he wasn't the one that I was going to be with. It was just too toxic. And even at that age, that young of an age, I knew it was toxic as fuck. I knew that, you know, I was I was cussing, I was cussing women. Women were coming to me, um, wanting to see me, wanted to fight me, wanted to it was let me tell you, it was all of it, right? So um it was at the end of our relationship, you know, end of the, thir- the the three years we were together that my life just, you know, um, drastically started changing. I started going through my awakening process um, where I was still on my own. I was now living with another friend, um, which was also toxic. Um, it, it was just so it was just so much. And at the time, my best friend um, introduced me to this book. Um, Sylvia Brown's books, The Other Side and Back. And that's really when it all started for me, right? Um, There was a point I was trying to make. But yes, that was the point. Thank you, angels. (laughs) They just gave me back the point. Um, At that time in my life, um, just like in the time of when you went through some of your most intense experiences, you unconsciously develop outer personalities or outer survival mechanisms without you even knowing because sometimes especially as a black person as a black body you develop these these survival mechanisms whether you know you're developing them or not you just live in that in that reality especially when you're young you know um you know you know that this neighborhood is bad so you look around you make sure that you know you're you're good you go you know when to go in you know you don't you know not to go around there at nighttime those are survival mechanisms right so around that time when i was going through some of my deepest deepest um coming into being a woman um I graduated high school, um, you know, went to live to went to live in New York because I just felt like I was moving all around. I was living with everyone. Um, my life was just so confusing at the mo- at the time that I went to live um, in New York and I lived in Brooklyn with my with my, with my a lot of my family who lived down in the states. Right, so you know, I developed a lot of these characteristics. One being smoking, you know. Um, and smoking weed and smoking cigarettes. And that was part of part of my survival. I learned how to speak in a tone that demanded respect. I, I learned how um, to be vigilant. I learned how to be intuitive. I learned how to be present. I learned how to get myself out of situations um, that really could have killed me. Um, those were... Those were part of my character, the part of my survival mechanisms that I learned at a very young age. And as I'm writing in my journal, I'm realizing that I still held on to a lot of those survival mechanisms or a lot of those survival characteristics. Um, it was It's almost like an overlay of who I am over me at all times, you know? Um, you know? And it could be as simple as, 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 if you didn't grow up with a lot to eat, you know, and it's not that I didn't grow up with a lot from my parents. It's when I left my parents and like the struggle became real and I had to learn that I had five dollars and I had to learn, OK, um, a pack of chicken and some pasta and some rice. Those were the things that would last me for a very long time. So I would buy a pack of chicken and a, and a, and a bag of rice because I knew that that can give me a couple dinners stuff like that. And I realized down into even my early 30s that I was still doing stuff like that where I'd buy things where I knew would last because what if I didn't have money or food in the next couple of weeks? You know, stuff like that. And as I was writing in my journal, I was realizing that the reason why this time is so rough for me and so deliberately intense is because I am saying goodbye to those parts of me that I developed to survive my world, my reality, you know? And now that I'm not in that world and I'm not in that reality anymore and haven't been there in a minute, um, you know, saying goodbye is still just as hard. And 
and I might get emotional. So if I do, I, I, I just will. <laughs> and saying goodbye to um, those parts of me that really saved me, you know? Um, those parts of me that were my inner G, my inner gangster, my inner strength, my inner, my inner stuff that I just had to learn to survive the period of experience that I was experiencing at that time, you know, and part of that period um, was, you know, was, 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 you know, picking up my addiction and don't get me wrong. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but I still smoke tobacco. And that is now ended for me. Um, that's part of one, one of, um, and the only thing physically that I have left to let go of. And I, and I have, um, or I am, I should say, I'm in the middle of, of, of disconnecting from a very close friendship I had with smoking. And as I'm writing, my ears are buzzing. My angels are around. <laughs> They're here to support. And, um, you know, I stopped weed years ago because when I started my ascension journey, I just like the weed and, and my and the higher frequencies just do not mix for me. Um, some people, it's great. For me, it just because um, I was already at that time um, linking to very high frequency energy, which I didn't know. So what it would do to me it was make, it would make me go mental. It would make me go like I felt like I was combusting and I couldn't handle it. So that was um, part of the reason why I stopped smoking weed um, years and years ago. I think almost like almost 10 years ago, like fully quit. I would I would in the previous years as I got anchored down to this reality, take a puff here and there. But literally, I'll take a puff. I couldn't do any more than that. And then the puff just became tedious. And I was just like, Ugh, I'm over it. Um but I would roll tobacco and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually smoke the cigarettes, but I would smoke the tobacco. But even that, um, I knew and I know that it was a part of that persona that was, it was a part of that package of, of my survival at that time. So I say all that to say it's, it's a lot of letting go and as I'm writing in my journal, I'm realizing that I have a really deep friendship with those parts of me, you know? And saying goodbye to them, man, I have ended friendships. I have ended relationships. I have stopped talking to so many people along this journey. And none of them were as hard to say goodbye to as... as my old selves. I just feel like I'm letting go of something, someone, you know, because friends, friends aren't in the bedroom with you, sleeping with you every night, you know, friends aren't with you in every moment in your mind. Friends aren't there in, in, in your most trying hours the deep deep trying hours they can talk to you and and be there for you and just be friends but when you hang up that phone you have you you know when you when you leave your partner and you know you have you and it's like do you ever sit down and wonder those parts of you that can talk you down off of a ledge those parts of you that can talk you out of hurting yourself those parts of you that can talk you and make you feel comfort, com comforted and make you feel safe. Those parts of you that know exactly what to say so you don't do that thing that's harmful for you. That those, those are parts of you that you have developed in your experience to save you. You know? And this is what makes Ascension so hard because it's like you see your growth you see your transformation, you see where you're going and you see that those, those, everything is all falling apart. It has to, it has to fall apart. And as I'm writing in my journal and I've been falling apart for 20 years, parts of me and deliberately falling apart, you know, sometimes not so deliberately. And, um, 
the reason I tell you about my awakening story is because I feel like I'm going through that portal again of deep emergence. But this time, I'm not bringing in pieces of Natoya. I'm bringing in the higher aspect of myself completely, totally. And um, a part of me is at the door and I'm looking back at those aspects of myself and there's all, you know, I can, I can see clearly how they look, you know, those aspects of me. I can see clearly how I smell, how I look, how, what I'm dressed as, what I'm wearing. Like, I know I can see it. They're friends. They're parts of me. And, um, I'm saying goodbye. I'm saying goodbye. Man, those parts of me were so, they're so dope. So wise. So protective. So secure, so brave, courageous. You know? But those aspects were created in a time of great fear, of great changes, you know? And as I look at this beautiful woman, this beautiful goddess that I've become, because of those aspects, you know? I'm having a little bit of a hard time letting them go. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm having a bit of a hard time saying goodbye to them. Because part of me is like, who, who am I without them? And that's scary because it's like you're raw, you know? You're, you're on the ledge. You're just, you're naked, you're butt naked, you're raw, you know? And I know the spiritual aspect of it, you know, I know who I am spiritually. I know, you know, and I've, I know I've only touched on, on, on a very small part of who I am spiritually. And that's also part of the awakening that I've been experiencing this past few weeks, because what God has been trying to show me is that I haven't even begun to touch into or tap into my power source. And that freaks me out because I thought I was powerful already, you know, um, what I was doing was, was, was work that I was so proud of, um, healing work, the way that I heal, the way that I love it so much, the way that I, when I touch a body, I feel all, I feel the, I feel the ancestral me. I feel all the me. I feel the ancientness of this work that I do. And I love it dearly. I love it tremendously. Um, it's something that I've always loved. So when you're told that something that you love is just the tip of the iceberg of what you're here to do, it can um, it can seem overwhelming. You know, it can seem very overwhelming. Give me one second. Let me just... I always have to keep a tap on this because... Um, okay, I'm good. Um... Yeah, like even just saying this right now, I don't know if I'm going to keep this. I don't know. I think I just needed to talk it out. Um, I've, I'm usually raw. I'm usually, I'm, I'm always honest. Um, but this is like next level honesty. And I don't know if I'm going to keep it. If you're hearing this, I've kept it. <laughs> and I'm most likely going to keep it. That's been the theme of my life, right? As I, Like I said, I started my whole soul work based on the experiences that, w that I was going through. So that's just the authenticity of who I am. I, that's what I've been called to do. And I've been brave enough to do it. It's not an easy feat, um, putting yourself out there to heal, to heal the world, which we're all doing, you know, every single one of us. Excuse me. Um, excuse me. Um, the energy in my body is roaring. Um, yeah. Whew. So that's what's happening right now, you know, um, letting go of a lot. Um, not feeling guilty, um, letting go of just so much guilt for, 
a lot of guilt is coming up and I'm still trying to process where the guilt is coming from, you know? Um, you know, even with me smoking tobacco, I knew it was always an ancient thing. But just because it's an ancient thing doesn't mean it's for you to carry on in this lifetime, you know? And that that's the thing for me. I've held on because it was, you know, and when I when I started doing work with why I, you know, why I smoked tobacco or why I smoked, period, was because at that time I was 17, I developed a, I developed a way to survive. When I was going through things that no one knew about that I was going out, what I was going through with Flame, I was going through some really deep shit with that man. You know, at that time, I had had an abortion. At that time, I... I was just going through so much and there was only probably one person at that time, which was my, which was my best friend at the time that knew that imagine being that age and going through that and going there, you know, and experiencing that no one knows about it then going to school the next day. So no one would know none the wiser, you know, being on your own, learning, having to survive. What am I going to eat that night? I wasn't making um, money, like, like I needed to make money. So it was just so much. So during that time, I, I developed a way of thinking and I developed, um, I developed that friendship with tobacco and with smoking because that was my friend. That was who I can go to in a forest and just be by myself with, you know? So I, so now you know, that those stories are all falling apart. They're all coming apart. And now that I think about it, it's not so much the tobacco that hurts so much. It's the way and the thinking around it and the thinking of how I survive. That is what is hurting and wanting wanting to be released, right? That's the really hard part of it all, to be honest, is just... Who am I without, without those, without those characteristics of, of, of always making sure that I'm eating or always, and I don't have to think about those things anymore because I'm eating, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm well, don't get me wrong. I still have the poverty consciousness, um, construct, which is what is falling apart, right? Um, even with my work, it took me years of doing this work before I even did or charged for my work, right? I would do it on friends and family without even a, a look at being charged, you know? And it was one day, like, my guidance was just like, no, no, like, enough is enough. Like, this is the next step in your evolution. And I was just like, no, no, I cannot charge. I'm, who am I, you know? And at that time, you know, not seeing a lot of black healers and people of color healers and therapy and therapists when you don't see yourself in the world you question your worth this is why you know i have one of my very one of my one of my very good friends um she goes by the name of decolonizing therapy on instagram this is why I share her work and I big up her work and I big up people of color's work because I did not have that in my awakening in the 90s. You know, I didn't have that. So when you don't see yourself out there, you question so much of yourself. Am I worthy? Am I, am I good enough? Look at all these amazing white teachers. And don't get me wrong. Oh my God, Wayne Dyer was one of my teachers. Um, Sylvia Brown, who who started my awakening, uh, you, you know, Sylvia Brown was a white woman. All the teachers that 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 like propelled me into my awakening were were great masters, um, but no one that looked like me. So when I was being asked by stores to now come out and do this work, I was like, hell no, I'm not Dyer. I'm not Sylvia. I'm not, you know, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm Natoya and I'm not skinny and I don't look like that. And I don't look like this. And you know, those are the belief systems that are collapsing right now in my life. And it, it is huge. It is huge. I can feel feel it tearing apart like it's an entity in itself and it is you know 
my heart is pounding. My, 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 I'm sweating. I can feel my nervous system going on overdrive as like I tear myself away. You know, this is, you know, when people are like, they're, 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 and this is, and this is what's going on in the world right now where everything is being like um, glorified, right? It's being like um, systematically glorified too, right? Where everything is astrology, you know, not understanding that astro astrology is ancient. It's ancient work. It's an ancient grid of, 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 of figuring out certain dimensions in your life. Astrology is major, you know, healing. I want to do Reiki and all that type of stuff. Not realizing that like this stuff is no joke. You don't play around with this stuff. You, you do this stuff if you're called to do it. You know, I didn't start my healing work. I, I was forced into my healing work. Even when I was being told to do it, I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll just stay over here, my little corner. They're like, no. You know? <laughs> so this is big stuff going on right now. And this is what we're all going to be going through this year. This decade is not letting us come out the same people we came in as. It's it's just not. And I would dare say this year, you're, we're already experiencing it. We're already going through it. It's It's deep. This shit is no joke. You know? This is no joke. You know, I was so afraid of death for all my life because I didn't realize that I was picking up on other people's energy. So when I was around people who were sick, even if they had a cold, I would experience the symptoms going on in their body. You know? Imagine being a child. Not realizing that you're picking up on people's energy and you're thinking that you're dying because you just don't know what's wrong with you. And even as a kid, I knew to to hush. I knew not to tell anybody that, I, you know, because I knew the culture that I was born into. And I knew being Jamaican and having Jamaican parents, they would not understand. Drink a cup of tea. You'll be okay. Go to your bed. Go take some sleep. You'll be, you'll be okay. I knew not to say anything. So... Going through all that as a kid and then realizing when you're like damn, damn near 20, that the reason why you felt like this your whole life, like you were something was wrong with you or that you were dying or that you're terrified of death was because, well, shit, you're a healer. And what you do is you transmute energy. So you're feeling the energies of everyone that is not well inside your own fucking body. What? The stuff that we go through here, I'm, I'm in awe of us, man. I'm in awe of us. I'm in awe of us. And what we do down here, what we're doing down here, and how we always like to play small, like I'm not doing much, but we are doing much. <laughs> You know, and I'm being called, you know, and I think this podcast is like a goodbye. And I'm going to miss that part of me. You know, I like to say it's because I'm an only child. So, you know, I'm not used to saying goodbye to things. That could be it. I don't think it's all all that is because I I know a lot of you guys who have family and siblings and it's it's still hard. You know, imagine those of you who have siblings and um you're close to your siblings and have to say goodbye to that aspect of yourself who just doesn't resonate with them anymore. I can't imagine what you're going through. I feel you having to tear away from parents and 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 some and lovers because you're being called for something greater you're being called for something big and those are the sacrifices of what we're going through here is um 
you just can't be around certain type of energies. You just can't be around certain type of people. You just can't be around certain type of things, you know, because you're being called to do something so great. So I guess this is a goodbye, you know, and an honor and a reflection of all the amazing parts of me that that helped me live, that helped me survive, that um, that never left me in the time that in those times that I felt like I was dying and in those moments that a lot of times I, I almost did die those parts of me that knew exactly what to do to heal myself, those parts of me that, you know, knew how to breathe life back into me. I'm saying goodbye to those selves. You know? Because now, I stand, I stand in, in, in a new, in a new, I stand in a new consciousness. I don't need those anymore to survive. I, I, I now have my higher aspect. I now have my higher self. I stand with such grandeur, with such power, with such wisdom, with such knowing that I don't need those survival mechanisms anymore, you know? Where I know I'm worthy enough to charge and exchange equal energy for my work because I know I'm that good. And I know that no one else is me and that is my superpower. Just like no one else is you. No one else can offer what you can offer. No one else was asked to come down here to do what you are going to be doing. But if you can't see that and if you can't respect that and if you can't honor that, who the fuck will? You know? Ah. I really hope I have the courage to share this. <laughs> I really do. Um, that's one of the things that I'm so proud of myself for, that I love myself for, is that, you know, at times where people ask, where did you get the courage? Where did you get the, you know, where did you get the, the, the you know, where did you get your pull, your push, your strength? And at times I just look at people and I just, I just say, I just knew that I was, I just know that I'm here for a bigger purpose. I just know that I'm here for a bigger purpose. And I know this deeply. You know, when I do my videos, when I do my writings, when I do my healings, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't answer to anyone. I never have and I never will. You know, I answer to God. If God says stop, I stop. If God says rest, I rest. If God says become what I what I advocated for you to come down here and become, I need you to become that. You stop. You probably curse a little bit. But you become. And this battle down here ain't easy. Don't make, don't make, don't make, don't make the patriarchy and, and this and the, and that programming make you think that this is all like glams and roses and and hee-haw and ooh, you know? No, this is deep shit. <laughs> this is deep stuff. Don't make anyone make you think that it should be quote unquote like nothing or e I want I want to say easy, but I don't want to add any type of construct to this, you know? You know, because easy, hard, 
up down polarity it's 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 uh, it's really how you view it you know what i deem as hard you deem as easy it really doesn't matter the words and even words right now are becoming they you know they're transforming we're not going to be able to use words in the next couple of years you know words are becoming like like useless i'm trying to find the proper word useless um because there's so much frequency that we're like tapping into right now that there's no English word for. There's no human word for. So we're going to have to start to talk in energy, which we saw coming. Hmm. I've had a really rough year last end of last year because I've just had to say goodbye to so many things. And one of my personality um, traits of just who I am as a person, I really don't like to say goodbye to things and people and places. It's really hard for me to do that. When um, And I've developed this as being an only child. It's like when you have something, you hold on to it for dear life until it crumbles, you know, but you have to hold on to it. And um, especially growing up with parents and family that are very deeply rooted in poverty consciousness, you hold on. You have a doll, you have a doll for 10 years, you know, you have a piece of chicken, you hold on to that piece of chicken till the last rice grain has been eaten, then you eat the chicken, you know, and if you're Caribbean and, and a person of color, you know what I mean by that, um, you just hold on to things, you know, if you grew up um, in deep poverty, you also know what I mean by that, you know, Um I, you know, one of the deep programmings that I've had to deprogram myself from that I'm still doing is, is the programming of self-worth, which, which is attached to the way that I make money and how I make money. When I am in full worthiness of myself, I am so abundant. Money just comes in without even me having to lift a finger. It just comes in. When I'm in deep work of my shadow and my worth and my confidence, I'm completely halted from all abundance. And that's part of the death that is going on right now with with me. Um, I'm, I'm dying. My old self is no longer needed. And I am mourning. And I am grieving. Because I think a part of me, too, letting go of those former selves and letting go of my son that has passed away. And I'm letting go of just a way of living that has really, you know, when you think, when you think of it, it really hasn't. Um, it's just been basic. It's just been, quote unquote, regular. You know, there's so much more greatness that's in store, but... When you're used to a certain way of living and a certain size of home and you're just grateful for for that, you know, that you don't even realize that you're holding on to 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 really small things because you're just so grateful for those small things that you don't realize that there's greater, bigger, amazing things that awaits you. But you're just holding on because, well, I'm grateful for this little box that I have. But when do we have to look at that little box and be like, you're, you're worthy of more? You could let go of this box because there's going to be a bigger box waiting for you. And trusting that. And doing the work that it takes to get to that consciousness, to get to that place. It's really deep work. I think I'm up on my hour. I'm getting up on my hour. I don't want to pass um, my hour. Um, I really hope I have the courage to post this because <laughs> I am a Scorpio woman. I'm very private. Um, I only show what I want, um, when it comes to my personal life, right? I just don't, I don't show that because it's just no one's business, right? But, um, 
And it's like it's like something, especially with being a teacher and being out there in the world where I sh- where I download work and I put into the world. I always feel like what's personal in my life is mine and just mine. So you know, including my own personal thoughts. And actually, that's not really true because m- my work is based on how and how I process things. Right, that's how I do my work. This is why I always tell people like I'm not one of these teachers that talk out of their ass. I I know what I am saying because I go through it. I go through the death. I go through the transformation. I go through the work. And then when I've done the work, I go out into the world and then I talk, right? And then I show you how to transmute it. I show you how to heal it. I show you how to look at it, you know? Um, that's, 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 that's what I'm called to do, you know? I am not just going to talk things and I haven't been through anything, I'm not going to tell you what to do just because I learned it from a book. I am telling you because I've I've gone through it. And a part of me is really excited for what's about to come out through this this deep healing that I'm doing now because it's deep. Um and I know I'm going through it because it's it's making me step into a higher form of being here. So the work that's going to come out of this, oh my goodness, it's it's epic. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. I could feel the humming that I felt 20 years ago and that humming changed my life because I listened. I got quiet. You know, even though I couldn't sleep for months on end with, without, without a lamp or without a light in my room because I was, just, I was seeing everything. It scared the fuck out of me, right? But eventually, I, you know, that's, any, that, that's with anything that you're learning. You eventually turn off the light and you trust the darkness that's coming over you to transform you. Darkness is a beautiful thing. You know, the womb, Mama Tyra, deep inside the grid of Mama. Oh God, it's dark. It's beautiful. But you ever, you ever, you know, you ever, are you ever in meditation and then it's so dark, but then you start seeing light, but you, but your eyes are closed. I don't know how to explain it. Ninety-nine of the greatest things that have come about in my life has come from darkness, including the shift. So, with that said, I'm coming on my hour here. I just wanted to share that with you. Um, if you are experiencing that yourself and going through that yourself, I'm, I'm guided to just say, die. Because what's about to be reborn is is out of this world. It's going to make you happy. It's going to make you live in a new reality you never thought was possible for yourself. It's going to make you abundant in all ways, abundant in happiness, abundant in flow, abundant in energy, abundant in thought and frequency. I know it's scary. I've been doing this for 20 something years and I say 20 years, but I've been going through it my whole life, to be honest. I just never could put a word to it. I think a lot of us have been been awakening for quite some time. We just never knew how to put word to it and it, it it as as we as we level up it gets more intense right so now that there's a word for it oh ascension now we know how to put a word to it but i think a lot of us we've been doing this stuff for for way beyond what we think we've been doing it for that's my per- personal opinion i was actually thinking that the other day and i heard source say you've been doing this your whole life and i was like actually not when I go into my childhood and, you know, what I was going through and sensing and I just thought I was very sensitive. And if you were raised in a family where, why are you so emotional? Why are you such an overthinker? Why do you have to, like, make everything about you and make everything about that? You were probably ascending. 
you know, we know now that the children that we have that are very, um, very sensitive to energies, indigos, who have a who are, have been put, have been put um, stigmas on by ha- by having EDD and all this type of stuff. We know now that those children are just highly sensitive children. So what makes you think that you weren't just a highly sensitive children child? You know, excuse me. Fifty nine minutes before this is cut off. So I love you. Go through it. It's a beautiful time to really transform. Part part of me, you know, is it's it's quite <laughs> such a Scorpio thing to say, but I quite I enjoy the intensity sometimes, sometimes, because um, I know what's on the other side of it. You know, I know that through the darkness it comes light. It, it there's light in it. You know, I know, I know that it's it's beautiful what what comes out of it. You know, and. I love the process of it. Don't get me wrong. There's days where I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm knocked out. I'm on my, I'm on, I'm just, I'm done. But yeah, I love you. Stand strong. You were made for this. So much love.